The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. With available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Good everybody, welcome into the early edge in our week 10 NFL mega preview. We are presented as always by Caesar Sportsbook and Casino. And I gotta tell you, M Squared, he named this show the most important hour of the entire week. What we do here for those of you who are brand new, whether you're watching it live or on demand, we break down every single game. We try to get ahead of certain lines that we think are a little bit soft and also educate you and entertain you so you can use the information from this hour and take it forward into the week. So let's bring in the stars of the show because you know they're here every single week. Let's first and foremost, live from Nashville, Tennessee, the penthouse level. M Squared, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Coach. Great to see you, RJ. Ready to break down this week. Uh, I think there are a few really, really good spots. Can't wait to hear RJ's thoughts on them, though. And he is the stoic one, and he runs everything NFL at Sportsline for us. R.J. White, good afternoon. Good afternoon. It is a fascinating week. When I did my power ratings, I had probably at least eight games that were at least two points of difference. So if you just trust the power rating, you should be firing away on all these games. I, of course, want to look into games a little more. I'm not just going to blindly play my power ratings, um, but it is an interesting week. Yeah, it certainly is. And we will break down every single game. Let's get right into it. And gentlemen, in a kind of a scheduling quirk, by the way, there are four teams that have bye weeks this week, Ravens, Bengals, Patriots, and Jets. But in a scheduling quirk, the two teams that are in first place in the NFC South play Thursday night football and also play in Germany on Sunday morning. So let's start with Thursday night football, the Vikings four and five. Now they let one slip away to the Chargers last week, certainly. Now, Panthers, they got blown the doors off by the Bengals, who are now on a bye week. What, P.J. Walker, we found out today, guys, will be the starting quarterback this Thursday. So, R.J., start us off. What do you make of this game and the fact the Falcons are still tied for first place at 4-5? and five? We speak of a scheduling quirk. I thought you were going to talk about the fact these two teams played like what, 10 days ago. I mean, it was that overtime game. They played nearly five quarters back and forth. We saw the PJ Walker bomb to tie it up or at the end only tied it up because of the, uh, the, the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, the, the removing the helmet penalty that pushed the extra point back. They missed the extra point. Crazy, crazy game. It'll be, I think Amazon Prime will be like over the moon if we get a, a repeat here with some of the, the quality of those games. But Carolina's offense looked awful last week. Um, 
finally. You know, we expect a regression there, but they just handled that Falcons D with no issue, like I said. Atlanta has Patterson back now for this game, and they might be healthier in the secondary. So we'll see how the injury report shapes up for them. I know last week we were talking like they might get some guys back in the secondary. I think they might have got one, but still wasn't as good as good as we thought it could be. Um, for me, Atlanta's not good enough to lay a field goal in a road divisional spot on a short week. I don't care what place they are in the division. Um, so even though Carolina looked so bad last week, I think at three, that's where the value is. And I think, Mikey, it's easy to forget because of how the Panthers laid an egg against the Bengals that the two previous weeks, they looked really good against the Bucks, And then that game that RJ talked about with the Falcons, should P.J. Walker still be at quarterback for the Panthers despite what happened last week? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess so. I don't really know what they're doing at this point. Uh, you know, they're not in a great position, whether they're playing P.J. Walker or Baker Mayfield here. Uh, I do agree with R.J., though. You know, on a short week on their home field, look, the Falcons shouldn't be minus three really against anyone, not in this spot. Uh, I make the number one and a half, so there is value on the Panthers. I'm not overly excited to go back them uh, at plus three here. Um Look, I think it'll be an ugly game. I have a slight lean towards the under uh, in this one. It's nice that it's at 44. I think this one should be 42 and a half. Uh, again, I'd make the number minus one and a half for Atlanta. Uh, the real X factor here, again, RJ mentioned it, Cordell Patterson. He's definitely electric enough to have a difference in this game, the way that they use him. And, of course, Marcus Mariota, who does still have the ability to run. So, you know, like I said, the computer makes it one and a half. Um, I'm not excited to go back Carolina, though. So I I'm off of the game for now. Um, and that that's where the numbers are. I think I've worked with you guys too long because what my thought process is when you hear Amazon Prime, Al Michaels doesn't care anymore. The man's in his 80s and he will say directly what's on his mind. And if it's a crappy game, he's going to say it's a crappy game. So hopefully we don't hear him say that this week. Now, if you're a fan in Germany, what are the odds that you thought that this year you could see the seven-time Super Bowl champion, Tom Brady, and the Bucks show up? That's exactly what's going to happen Sunday morning. The game starts at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. Now, you can't fly farther than what the Seattle Seahawks are going to have to do, but they've looked legit, guys. The Bucks are favored by two and a half. The total sitting uh, currently at 44 and a half. Now, RG, I'm coming to you because you love the Seahawks in a certain way for this game. What do you like? Yeah, perfect teaser spot for the Seahawks at plus two and a half. Tease it up to eight and a half. Tampa Bay's offense is disappointed, but their defense is playing well, particularly against the pass. Um, it's the first top 10 defense Seattle has played since weeks one and two when their offense struggled. So I think the Seahawks will obviously look better than Tampa Bay right now um, based on what we've seen from Tampa. Uh, and, and you can't count on them to score in bunches with the state of their offense, especially the offensive line and that Seattle defense playing well. Seattle's been in a very tough travel spot. This is going to be the fifth time they've been away from home in the last seven weeks. Now, I don't know that it's mattered. Their uh, offenses look great. The last three games, I think they scored like 95 points. And then their defense, the last two games, had their best yardage total allowed in the season. So uh, maybe playing away from home, you know, is, is rejuvenating them and, and giving them a, a better, you know, um, uh, momentum to play there. So we'll see if that continues here. Um, they haven't had the toughest schedule, but Tampa Bay, I mean, you look at their schedule, they lost to Green Bay at home, Pittsburgh, Carolina. They haven't exactly been losing to the stalwarts of the league either. Um, so I think Seattle's defense doesn't have to keep this close, even if the offense struggles against this really good defense. Um, I like playing Seattle if it gets to three. Uh, but for now, it's just a teaser for me. And when you think, Mikey, based off the travel, so Seattle has to fly to Arizona, and then they fly back home to Seattle, then they regroup and then take this long flight to Germany. I've flown to Germany from South Carolina. It felt like it lasted for 
ever. I cannot even imagine flying from Seattle. But based off what RJ just said, maybe this group is galvanizing themselves together because of the schedule. Because right now with Kenneth Walker and the way they're playing, right now they should be favored in almost every game, maybe even this one. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I think Seattle's got the quarterback edge in this game uh, at this point, yeah. so which is kind of funny to talk about. But uh, no, in all seriousness, they've been great. Um, the number, I think, is right where it's at. RJ's dead on. It's a good teaser candidate in this particular spot. Uh, the travel, there is a lot of unknown, uh, really on both sides, and how this travel is going to impact them. Big emotional win for Tampa Bay. We'll see if they can use that to their advantage and pull things together a little bit. Um, at the current moment, I, I'm slightly inclined to lead, lean towards Tampa Bay, despite Seattle being the perfect number for the teaser leg. Uh, the only thing that's super interesting here, I don't know if we've seen more clarity on it yet. There were a few rumors circulating that Kenneth Walker does not have a passport, uh, which could oh. be an issue for him playing in this game. Unsure how true everything is there but it is worth noting because i've seen it in a couple different places i would imagine that they get it figured out ahead of time uh little shocking that it's coming up that you know they, they've known about a game overseas for you know months at this point so it would have had time to get it um so just something to monitor i don't think it's going to be an issue just something that i've seen pop up here yeah, we've seen that in golf in the past in the John Deere Classic where somebody won who didn't have a passport and they were able to get it overnight from the Justice Department or somebody like that. So to your point, they can get it done, but you got to start making those calls today, today or yesterday. So we'll keep our eye on that as well. All right, let's move to the Sunday slate now because another fascinating game. The Broncos coming off a bye week after going to London, coming back and beating Jacksonville, and of course all those jokes about Russell Wilson on the plane. Will he be working out flying to Tennessee? The Titans, they looked really, really good against the Chiefs. They were 14-point underdogs, nearly won the game in overtime. They are favored by three, total sitting at 39. No official plays here, but Mikey, let me come back to you because the way Tennessee played with Malik Willis, he does not look like a viable NFL quarterback. But the way they played, they're very competitive. What do you make of this matchup? Uh, yeah, they're competitive. Derrick Henry is absolutely incredible. He runs through the you know defenses that are stacking seven, eight in the box. Um, as far as the number goes here, I have a slight lean towards the Titans, which is interesting because I've always had little tiny leans towards Denver in certain situations this year. Um, look, I, I think the Titans, while they came up short ultimately against Kansas City, they played incredibly well. That's what they do. They find ways to be competitive in games. Um, look, I, I hate backing this team as a favorite. I love backing them as an underdog. The issue is the Broncos have been so bad at this point. Um, I, I've got to lean towards the Titans here. This number indicates that uh, it's going to be Malik Willis again under center. Uh, I would expect it to be four and a half or five if Ryan Tannehill was able to play in this game. So it's worth noting there. However, I think defensively they are good enough uh, to let Derrick Henry go put them in a position to win a football game at home. So I'll lean towards the Titans here. A really cool video circulated, RJ, after the game at Arrowhead of Derrick Henry walking around the locker room and shaking the hand of every single defensive player on the team. And that's called leadership after a loss. This team still feels like they're together. They're only five and three. They're very much still at the top of their division. Are we underselling the Titans right now? I think the market has undersold them in general. I just think that with the the, the health of the team, especially at quarterback, um, it's it's pretty easy to undersell them. Um, somehow nobody can defend the Tennessee run game when they don't throw. They know they're not going to throw. 
and and defensively you're still letting Derrick Henry run through these big holes. I don't get it. I think the, you know the, the one thing you should be able to do is stop the run in the NFL, especially when you know the other team isn't going to throw. Denver's defense is number one in yards per play, but they're 27th in rush yards per play. So maybe we get more of the same here if they somehow get tricked to not defending the run um, in this game. No offense needed to buy more than Denver. I think that's what Mikey was alluding to. I have to think they're going to improve with the new coach, new quarterback. They'll be more comfortable after this break, kind of get a reset here. It's a new season for us um, and come out and want to look good here. The coaching edge might steer me to Tennessee at under three, but I think this is a good spot for Denver coming out of the bye. I would look to play them at plus three and then hoping it goes up a little bit more like Mikey's saying. And then if we can get the hook, I definitely like Denver there. We no doubt will keep our eye on this game for our Sunday noon p.m. Eastern show. By the way, turn on your notifications so every time we start a show, whether on YouTube, whether it's on Apple or Spotify, you get notified. You can come in and have a lot of fun just like everybody's doing in the chat right now. All right, that's game number one. Or excuse me. Yeah, number one on Sunday. Game number two at one o'clock. Well, a team that looked absolutely awful last night against the Ravens and every game script we saw did not involve what happened last night with the saints at home. They looked atrocious. Maybe we ought to got buy into this whole primetime Andy Dalton thing. This game will not be a primetime. This is minus two and a half in Pittsburgh, total 40 and a half. And it's weird to see the saints favored RJ on the road. And we know the Steelers have had issues with quarterbacks, but still this number jumped out to me. Did it jump out to you? It very much did. I was worried when the Saints put up that egg on 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 that, that you know terrible flop on Monday that we were going to have this number open at Pickham or something. But it stayed at two and a half. That's where it was. Um, I was surprised about that. Pittsburgh has had a brutal schedule. They've played just two teams under five hundred. One of them was the Buccaneers. Um, they also were at Cleveland, which isn't a terrible team either. They have not had any easy games on their schedule. They've also played five of eight on the road. So I'm not saying Pittsburgh's better than than they look. I don't think they're a great team, um, but they might not be as bad as they've looked. I guess that is kind of saying they're, they're better than they look. They're not good, but they're not like, awful. New Orleans is on a short week here. They have a losing record despite six of nine at home. They've gotten really, you know, uh, um, benefit from the, the schedule makers in this early part of the year, whereas Pittsburgh hasn't. I think Kenny Pickett's going to be more comfortable in the offense coming out of the bye. It's another thing where you get this this team that needed a bye more than anything. They get to reset now. I think he's going to look better. Pittsburgh's D should have TJ Watt back. It looks like he's trending toward playing and being activated off the injured reserve. That's huge. William Jackson, if he's healthy, I think he's dealing with an injury thing. Um, but they traded for him. He boosts the secondary. That's big for them. I love the Pittsburgh money line in this game. I love taking them plus three at home if the line's going to get there since it's, it looks it's stayed at two and a half. So people want to bet the Saints and get this a three. Love taking it there. I think they're a must play in teasers. It's the second leg of my teaser with the Seahawks at plus eight and a half also. Yeah, Mikey, I can't imagine any team right now that the Saints are going to play that they're going to be able to beat them by at least eight and a half points. Do you agree with the teaser angle for this game? I do. Yeah. Uh, look, I think the wrong team is favored in this game, right? So I, I think the Steelers should be minus one, minus one and a half uh, on their home field. So tough week for the Saints, short week travel situation for them. Uh, this Steelers team, like RJ mentioned, has been beaten up by their strength of schedule so far. They're a solid defensive team. Yes, the quarterback play is questionable. However, they can manage games relatively well, find ways to be competitive here. Um, I have a hard time making the Saints a minus three favorite essentially in the spot. So I like taking the points with the Steelers. I think it's a great teaser candidate as well. Um, it'll be very interesting to see where the market moves on this one. It would not shock me at all if this is down to a one uh, by the time this game kicks. 
and this is why we do this show on Tuesdays, everybody. We're trying to beat the number. Get it in today. I know it takes money management because you got to spread your bets out over the week, but it's so vital and it's so important, and that's why Mikey and RJ do all the work for Tuesday so you can beat this number. All right, now this next game, whenever a, a team, guys, plays on Thursday night, it feels like they're coming off a bye week, but the Texans are not. They look good for a half, tied at 14, but alas, they – we're able to cover the number, even though the Eagles won by 12, 29-17. So they go on the road this week, and they're going to play in New York, take it on the Giants team, minus six. We're trying to figure out exactly who they are. Because in Seattle, they were a little bit of everything, but two punt return fumbles cost them the entire game. So coming back home, RJ, are the Giants the real deal? I think they are. I think this is this is another situation. I've been positive on these teams coming out of the bye for different situations. In this sense, it's because they have one of the better coaches in the league, I think, in Brian Dayball, who's really maximized um, their ability to keep team, keep close in games, even if the offense hasn't played well, and win some games maybe the Giants shouldn't have won. Um, I think the offense could evolve during the bye when, when he's had two weeks to work with them a little bit more. Um, they've had two weeks to stew on that Seattle loss, and like you said, the, the mishaps there on special teams. Um, I think they're ready to come out and show that they're a playoff team uh, against one of the worst teams in the league. Houston is awful at stopping the run. And so, so I think Saquon will run wild no matter what Dable wants to do offensively. And the Giants can be run on too, um, but they're great on third down and that's what helps mitigate the damage there. Um, so I'm not that comfortable laying a bunch of points with their offense, but Houston is terrible. I think the line should be on the other side of seven. So I'm fine laying the six if you want to do it. Just if it gets a little higher than this, I'm probably staying away. Mikey, it kind of feels like this number is not a touchdown because when you look at the entire schedule, for the Giants this year, three different times, they've trailed by double digits and come back to win. So their, their record could look very different, but they got the job done. They're winning these games, and maybe we're getting a little bonus point this week because of the history they have. Yeah, I would say so a little bit. Um, you know, the, the market hasn't really believed in this team all year uh, for the most part. It's why there's been some decent results for betters backing them early this season. Uh like RJ said, they have a distinct advantage, and that's having Saquon Barkley here. They should be able to run all over Houston. They're the much better coach team. I like them here in this spot. Uh, the thing that I'll say on this one, I would be stunned if this game didn't close at seven, honestly. Uh, I think it'll be six and a half pretty much everywhere by the end of tonight, by game time, by Sunday, barring any injury news or anything there. I think this one closes at seven. Uh, so if you like it, I would play it now. Um, I, I make the number seven and a half. I, I'm staying off on it. I think it'll be an interesting in-game opportunity. I do think that Damian Pierce is electric enough. I mean, we witnessed it really against the Eagles defense as well. Uh, he's electric enough that it wouldn't shock me if the Texans jump out to a 7-0 lead, manage to score on their first drive of the game, something like that. Um, so that's where I'm at on it. Slight, slight lean to the over as well in this one. I know the number's relatively low to teams that aren't terribly efficient offensively. Uh, however, I do think that we're going to see enough points in this one to push it over 40. Uh, so it's going to land between 41, 44, very key numbers here in the NFL. So a slight lean on the over 40 and a half, slight lean towards the Texans or toward, towards the Giants side. A check question from Bradley. How about the Giants take them down to the money line and then you Seattle it's supposed to be plus eight and a half. Would you like that teaser leg? Um, I don't mind it. Yeah, it's just a yeah, – so it would be a parlay at that point. Giants money line. Um, yeah, I, I don't hate it. I, I ultimately think the Giants get the win there. 
Well, I think they meant taking Seattle. taking the Giants yeah. down to pick them is what I think right, they meant yeah, for yeah, a teaser. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Of course, we'll discuss this one. I would encourage you to uh, watch our prop show on Friday with Sia, Prop Stars, and Uncle Dave, as there is no doubt that one of those three will have a Saquon Barkley prop ready to fire uh, as soon as those lines come out. What are you laughing for, Mikey? Uh, yeah, it's uh, definitely someone will definitely be on Saquon's props for sure. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. He has been a beast. And the league's just better when he plays. He's just better when the stars are playing. Now, speaking of stars, I just voiced a new package for CBS Sports today. And the subject, Mikey, of that package is the Dolphins. And the fact that some people are now calling them the greatest show on surf. Interesting take on the Rams from 20-some years ago. Now, they're three-and-a-half-point favorites this week, total 48-and-a-half. They're playing down in South Florida. This team is starting to turn into rock stars, whether it's Tua, whether it's Tyreek Hill going over 1,100 yards in week nine, Jalen Waddell, any other team, he'd be the number one, and he's a unbelievable number two. Both of you like the same team. Mikey, tell me who it is. Yeah, it's got to be the Dolphins here. I think this number is incredibly friendly at three and a half. Uh, you know, I think one thing we need to talk about is they return home. Uh, it's very comfortable for them. The way the stadium's set up, just the overall atmosphere and in, in the environment that they're playing in, in terms of the weather, creates a really nice advantage for them typically uh, in this spot. But really, Cleveland, they're, they're a fine team. They're not a terrible team. They're not a great team. But they're going to struggle defensively still to put enough pressure on Tua considering the weapons that he has. It's incredibly difficult to have to cover Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, especially when Tua is healthy and playing well. I think this number should be five and a half minimum. I could make the case all the way up to seven, depending on how much you want to grant for that home field. Um, you know, I, I respect Nick Chubb. I respect the ability that he has on the Cleveland side. However, I think that in pretty much any game script here, uh, Tyreek Hill is going to get loose. Jalen Waddell is going to get loose in this spot. Uh, I love the Dolphins here under a very key number of four. You know, RJ, there was a really cool video uh, about Mike Daniels as Justin Fields was running by him, telling him to stop because he was running for 174 yards. And then he answered it today in his press conference. He was just, I just told him I wanted him to stop scrambling. And he didn't listen to me. He doesn't take coaching well. I think this is why this team is starting to become so likable. It starts with their head coach. And we know in the world of sports betting, specifically the NFL, if fans like a team, they want to bet on a team. So with that being said, do you think this is becoming a public team, the Dolphins? Well, if that's the case, that's the angle we're looking at. I guess the Browns are the public team because this line opened at four and it got bet down to three and a half. Uh, sharp money coming in on the Browns, which I do not get. You know, I, I'm on the Mikey side. Love Miami. Um, I put it in at four on Sportsline thinking this is going up. You know, I, I, I'm i more aggressive than Mikey. I have it at seven because I do think Miami has one of the NFL's best home field advantages. Get a full three points from me, one of the few teams to do that. And then you you look at the uh, power ratings. They're certainly more than a point better than Cleveland. So four to me didn't make sense. Wanted to get it in before the line move. And then the move went the other way. So I wonder sometimes we see in these instances where some of the uh, the syndicates and the betting groups um, play one way to get, get a more favorable number. And then they'll come back when they've been limited 
tournaments are bigger later in the week and hammer it the other way. Um, the books have gotten, I think, pretty good at picking up on that. So they don't just, you know, run around like a dog chasing its tail. So, but this seems like a case where like, why are you playing the Cleveland side here? So uh, I don't know. Um, Miami's offense, number one in pass yards per play. Two has won every game he's finished this year. Uh, Miami's offense, ninth in sack rate. So, so I think they can block better than since he did last week. Talked about the best receiver duo on the league. Cleveland's not going to stop him at all. And Miami's not going to, not getting enough credit for beating Detroit and Chicago, I think because of those small margins. And we think of those as bad teams, but they are stacking road wins. And the Miami teams of the past would not go on the road and win, certainly not twice in a row, you know, in the, those type of situations, no matter who they're playing. This team is doing it with a likable coach, like you said, a team that I think people are going to want to get behind. And then we're, we'll talk about the, the Bills, I think, in a little bit. But this Josh Allen injury, you know, if this is a serious injury for him, this might be the favorite in the division and they might they might go pretty far in the playoffs. So love getting Miami minus three and a half here. Yeah, Danny in the chat says already for my book, M Squared doesn't like it. You've watched for a while, but I bought it down to three and a half. If you've watched our brand for the last two years, you know Mikey doesn't like buying half points because we play every day and it matters. Mike, explain that philosophy, please. Uh, generally speaking, when you're buying a half point through these key numbers in the NFL, the price of the half point is more expensive than the probability of the game landing on that specific number. Uh, the sports books obviously know the probabilities of certain games landing on certain numbers and price those half points that you're buying accordingly. So you're simply giving them another opportunity uh, to make a few cents on the dollar on you at that point. There you go. Danny's a day one. We've got a lot of day ones, but never more valuable than every single person that comes with us. The community we're building, we love all of you so, so very much. We love doing this for you. All right. Now, <clears throat> that was game number four at one o'clock on Sunday. Game number five, RJ, we don't have to waste very much time to talk about that Bills game that you were just talking about. UCL ligament, the last time that Josh Allen missed a game, 2018, for this same injury. If you saw the play on Sunday, he went back, went to throw it. His hand got cocked and his arm went back. And who knows how serious it's going to be. But they're still favored by five and a half because Josh Allen has not been ruled out yet. The Vikings are coming to town. They are first place in the NFC North at seven and one. You mentioned the Miami Dolphins. They're just a half game back. Bills are six and two. Dolphins are six and three. So let's start with you, RJ, because where the numbers are right now, by the way, the total is at 45 and a half. There's going to be a little bit of luck involved if you decide to play this now. What's your advice for this game? My advice is not to play it now because you got to get more information here. I know the Twitter doctors are out saying they know what's going to what's happening with this injury. They don't know anything. Um, you can't trust anything you're just seeing based on what the feed is telling you and what you're looking at. You got to go get these kind of things tested. Hopefully he avoids major injury. Um, my sense now I'm going to play you know, speculation doctor here is that they didn't say anything on Monday. They said they wanted to get more testing done. To me, when you see in baseball, you see pitchers go for second opinions before announcing Tommy John surgery. This has the feel of they wanted to go get a second opinion before they announce something. That's why it's taking so long to, to announce. So that might just be my natural pessimism with the bills coming into play, but I don't think it's going to be very good. Um, so this line is starts fading down. I think people are kind of thinking that same thing. He's going to miss at least this week. Um, and, and I think we're going to get better value if Case Keenum's there, if you want to play the bills, Minnesota keeps winning. They're not getting the market respect um, though, because they have a negative yards per play differential offense. Not great. They needed a bad Washington turnover to get that key late touchdown and win that game. Uh, their defense is awful against the pass and in the red zone. I think Buffalo can score points even with Case Keenum. Case Keenum isn't like a star or anything, 
but he we've had precedent of a quarterback coming in for a good team and then taking them to the Super Bowl and winning with Nick Foles. Um, they were finished as the number one seed in, in that year in 2017. Number two seed was Minnesota with Case Keenum playing 14 starts there. He went 11 and three as a starter. He has had some success in this league. Hasn't been recent, but he's going to have such a great team around him, especially on defense. That is elite despite their injuries. No team is top 21 against them, even though they faced Miami, Baltimore, and Kansas City on the road in that last one. So I wait for this line to settle with Keenum if we think it's going to be him. And it drops, it drops to three, it drops through three, and then I'm going to jump on the Bills. Well, right now the Vikings are playing with all kinds of confidence, a big comeback win in Washington. And Mikey, we joke around a lot here at the early edge. Me and you are Chiefs fans, diehards, RJ, diehard Bills fans, but nobody wants to see this if you are a sports fan, an NFL fan. You want to beat teams at their best or don't beat them. In your model, how much does Josh Allen change this number? A lot. <laughs> He's worth a lot. Uh, you know, a full touchdown uh, in this spot. So uh, this number is certainly hedged. Uh, I would make the Bills eight and a half to nine. Um, it's hedged right down the middle. I think this number drops to two and a half initially. Wouldn't shock me if it got absolutely insane all the way down to pick them by the time the game starts. Um, wow. You know, we might have big differing opinions on Keenum's ability there at that point. Uh, but it's hedged right down the middle. I'm not playing it right now. I think there's only one thing you can really play right now with any sort of confidence that you can also have live betting opportunities that make a ton of sense. And that would be playing the under 45 and a half right now. Uh, if you play the under 45 and a half, we've watched this Minnesota team at least through three quarters struggle against the commanders last week. They won a game with 20 points uh, in that spot. The Buffalo defense is still pretty solid in this particular spot. I think this number, if and when Josh Allen is ruled out, uh, becomes a 43 game, potentially 42 and a half pretty quickly. So grabbing it now at very key under very key numbers, uh, you know, 41, 44, 45, even uh, 43, obviously, as well. Um, I, I think that's probably the best look if you're just set on playing something in this game. Um, but unfortunately for Bills fans, unfortunately for NFL fans, I'll play Twitter doctor just a little bit. And I have no idea about his injury. But the market is pretty clearly telling you that it's likely to be a, uh, a Keenum week based on where this number is. Yeah, and I was watching some of the actual doctors on ESPN and other places, and they're saying this could be a week. It could be season ending. It just all depends on pain management and exactly how bad that ligament is. So it could be a wide range of outcomes uh, as well. All right, that was game number five at one o'clock. Now. <clears throat> game number six last week we saw Aaron Rodgers play perhaps RJ the worst game he's ever played in Detroit the Lions scored 15 points and they got the job done they got the job done now they traveled to Chicago Bears team that they're not going to make the playoffs this year but maybe just maybe they found themselves a quarterback Justin Fields we had his prop over 50 and a half he went for 174 on the ground. He was dynamic. The Bears are scoring a lot of points the last few weeks. So when we look at this number, Bears are favored by three. The total at 48 and a half. What do you make of this? 
Yeah, the uh, the Ed Warder uh, reported, uh, you know, during the bye week, the Chicago got or during the mini bye, I guess Chicago got to look at some tape of like Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson when he was on the Texans and kind of do, figure out some different things to do with uh, with Justin Fields, which, you know, more power to him. I'm glad you can adjust and be creative like Philly was last year, but you had the whole offseason, man. I mean, what, what mm-hmm. were you, what, what, why is that not priority number one to maximize, you know, the opportunities for your young franchise quarterback? I mean, that's the, he got hired in January, like 28th. I'd have been doing that on January 29th, studying the Deshaun Watson tape and see how we can use uh, Justin Fields here. But, but this is a surprisingly good matchup here, considering how these teams have played. You said that might be Aaron Rodgers' worst game. I think it definitely is his worst game, considering the competition. People have said if they can't do it against this defense, they're not going to do it against anyone. And then they turn out to have another terrible game. So that Detroit defense was lucky to allow nine, though. I mean, the Green Bay reached Detroit territory on every actual drive, aside from that kneel down at the end of the half. So they kept getting into Detroit territory. They just couldn't get points, had the interceptions in, in the red zone. Um, so that's part of it, too. Um, Detroit's offense not as trustworthy, especially on the road, as the Chicago offense, which has 230-plus rush yards in four straight weeks. I don't know that Detroit can stop them. I love Chicago. It looks like this wants to go down to, to two and a half, so I'm going to love them when they get to two and a half. Yeah, Mikey, it really feels like that is the direction that we need to go because you even back it up a week. And Chicago, even though they gave up 49 to the Cowboys, they scored 29 in the process. So the last two weeks, they've gone 29, 32. And if not for a couple of drops last week, they had a chance to beat Miami late in the fourth quarter. So with that positive offensive momentum, are they the play for you this week? Yeah, I think it's Bears or nothing in this spot. Uh, look, the market's got it priced as if it's the same Bears team that uh, lost at home um, to Washington and lost on the road to the Giants, right, and struggled to barely put up any points. I think they put up 12 points at Washington or seven points at wa- against Washington, 12 against the Giants. Um, offense is definitely rolling uh, now at this point. So I make this number four. Uh, I could make the argument, though, all the way up to five, five and a half. Uh, I do like RJ. I think this number is actually trending towards the Lions, uh, which is interesting considering it's an outdoor game. We're actually looking at some cooler weather moving in really everywhere this weekend across the country, but certainly in Chicago. Um, I, I give them a pretty distinct edge in terms of the home field advantage there in that spot. So line, or, I mean, uh, bears or nothing for me. Uh, in this one. All right. I kind of feel the exact same way. Now, if you watch this show every single week, then you know that we tell you no matter who it is that a big time spread talking 12, 13, 14, be very, very careful. Last week, perfect example of that. The Chiefs, we were all over them. Two of our cappers had Chiefs at 12, at 13, then at 13 and a half. They were up nine, nothing. and couldn't do anything until Patrick Mahomes did his magic late in the game. So, They don't cover, but they win and now tied for the number one seed in the AFC with those same bills. They're laying nine and a half against the Jacksonville team that last week was down 17-0 at home to the Raiders and Las Vegas blew it again. And Jacksonville wins 27-20 and covers the spread in the process. Total 50 and a half. Mikey, let me start with you because you like one side here. Which one? Yeah, I like Kansas City here. Nine and a half, I think, is a pretty friendly number thanks to Kansas City. Kind of struggling a little bit, at least in terms of the scoreboard uh, in that game against Tennessee. Look, the offense was still okay. They had a lot of yards. Mahomes was fantastic again. Uh, the defense really wasn't horrible at times. Just kind of an interesting game the way it shook out. 
But it's really about Jacksonville here. I don't think Jacksonville's a very good team. They've got a great weapon in Travis Etienne, but they're, they're really not a great team. Coming off losses at Indianapolis, we know that team's not very good. Yes, the Colts beat the Chiefs in, in that weird game as well. Uh, but they lost to the Giants. They lost to the Broncos. Like it, It's a very interesting team. Uh, we all want them to be better. They've made improvements over the last five years, but they're still not a top-tier team in the NFL. It is a tough environment to go in here. Kansas City... They were ready for a letdown spot. They escaped with the win. Now they have a huge opportunity here with the Josh Allen situation potentially for the Bills. There's a decent chance that Kansas City can still salvage the number one seed overall in the AFC now. Uh, a lot going on. I think they take advantage of this opportunity, and I think this number should be closer to 12 or 13. And that is a great point, RJ, that Mikey makes because in sports betting, Nobody wants to factor in motivation or what you see in front of you on the road that you have. Before, the Chiefs saw two games because they got beat by the, the Bills. So the head up, they lost, and they were a game behind. Not so fast anymore with the Jets beating the Bills. So now with their lane wide open, the Chiefs, you would think, get their bad performance out of the way and should come out at home Sunday afternoon and lay the wood. Your thoughts? Was it a bad performance, though? I mean, they outgained Tennessee 499 yards to 229 yards. The Chiefs' defense, I'm going to go a step further than Mikey. They were really good. They're, they allowed seven yards on the final 10 drives combined. So um, they had they had problems in, early in the game. They locked it down after that. Jacksonville's defense, much better versus the run in the past, the 26 and sack rate. This is going to be a big Mahomes day for me. Prove that that was a fluke in that Tennessee game, that, that um, statistically they didn't run away from Tennessee. Jacksonville's offense can run on the Chiefs, Steve, but I don't trust the pass offense as much if they fall behind and have to catch up. Jacksonville hasn't played awful despite their record, um, but I do like fading them coming off a rare win. This line at nine and a half is, I think, for it to make sense, Jacksonville has to be an above average team because the Chiefs' power rating is up in that eight range um, and they're at home. And I don't think Jacksonville is an above average team. So I'm like Mikey. I think this line should be 12 and a half. I was very glad to see it reopen at nine and a half because I guess it's because of the chief struggles. You're saying the look ahead was nine and a half already. And I talked about it as a great look ahead spot too. Um, and now that we're still getting the nine and a half, I'm definitely playing it. So I didn't want to put it in as a best bet because I didn't thought a little bit too much unity there with Mikey. Didn't want to look like I was copying off his paper, but I, I also <laughs> have it as a best bet too. Made it just a lean for, for this show, but I love it. Now we're going to keep an eye. This is going to be like a, one of those pin games. Where we put a pin in it and see on Sunday exactly how much value we got from this Tuesday show, which normally is a lot for my guys. All right. So those are the one o'clock games. Now we can't do these shows. We can't run this without paying those pesky little bills. So let's hear from one of our incredible partners. And we are back. For those watching on YouTube, welcome. This is Early Edge Mega NFL Week 10 Preview. Those listening on Apple, Spotify, or wherever your podcasts are heard, welcome to all of you. We're now going to move on to the 4 o'clock games. At least this week we get three instead of last week getting two. And boy, was that a bad afternoon. Seahawks, Arizona, yuck. Rams, Bucks, yuck until the very end. So, <laughs> this is the first one we're going to go to. Speaking of yuck, how about the Colts? Just Saturday, new head coach interim. They didn't even have a coach on the team, on the roster, on the squad, whatever, that had ever called an offensive play. Not one. So, now they have to go to Las Vegas. The Raiders have been an absolute mess. Josh McDaniels as head coach is absolutely an abomination. They've led so many games just to give it all away. But again, this week, 
They're laying six and a half, total 42 and a half. RJ, you have a best bet in this game. What is it? It's the under. You know, you talk about the first-time play caller. It's going to be the assistant quarterback's coach, Parks Frazier, um, I think 30 years old. Look at his picture, his profile picture. comes up. It looks like he plays a lot of Madden. So if you're one of those old-timer guys that 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 hates when these coaches come out and look like they're calling Madden plays, I think you're probably going to hate this guy because that's probably what we're in store for us. That offense is atrocious, though. I don't think he's going to fix it. They're, they went 0 for 14 on third downs. Two yards per play. I just don't see how you fix that, um, regardless who's coaching the team, um, unless Jeff Saturday can put sprinkle some of that offensive line magic onto this group. One indie game is top 41. They've scored 12 or less in all of their road games since week one when they tied Houston. The indie defense, though, has played very well, particularly against the run, where the Vegas offense has been better. So I want to like the Raiders here. But because this indie defense is playing well, I could see them stepping up, making this a close game, you know, a seven to three game, or maybe the Colts get a defensive touchdown, 13 to 10. So I don't, I didn't want to lay the six and a half, but I love the under. I just don't see how this goes over this total. Yeah, it kind of feels like, Mikey, that based off of RJ just broke it down brilliantly. But when you have a new play caller, you have an interim head coach that has never coached the game in college or the NFL. There's going to be a lot of nerves. So what do coaches do when there are a lot of nerves and you have a new young quarterback in Sam Ellinger? You shorten the game. You shorten the game. So how do they do that and still stay within the number? Or do the Raiders come out and say, listen, we can't protect any lead, so we've got to play gas pedal down for 60 minutes? You know, I don't know if they'll have gas pedal down for 60 minutes, but they're definitely going to try to keep getting the ball in Devontae Adams' hands. Uh, heavy dose of Josh Jacobs here. It'll be very interesting to see, uh, you know, how the Colts' defense handles that attack. I, I like RJ's lean here. Well, I lean with RJ's pick here uh, in terms of looking at the under. I think it's a pretty sharp look. Indianapolis obviously has not been able to score points uh, at this point, and I think that that's the real story here. I'm trying to look at their games. Yeah, they haven't scored more than 16 points the last three weeks. Um, not good since the quarterback change. Not good with the coaching change here at this point. So I'll lean under there. As far as the spread on the game, this one has the makings of one that's going to continue to balloon uh, by Sunday. I think it's probably going to be seven when it closes. So if you like Vegas, uh, you, you pretty much got to play it now or you miss the boat on it, in my opinion. Um if for some reason it got to seven and a half, I would start to consider the Colts, but most likely would still continue to sit it out. Uh, just too much unknown there for me. Not a game that I have any interest in watching, frankly. So going to be one that's going to be crossed off my list for the most part. There's no number where you should consider the Colts, just FYI. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Now, at least we have this next game, which is going to be intriguing on so many different levels. If I would have told you two gentlemen prior to the season that week 10, the Cowboys would go on the road and they would be five-point favorites in Green Bay against a Packers team that the last few years have had tremendous regular seasons and then just kicked it in the playoffs. But these Green Bay Packers have not been good. They've lost five in a row and they haven't looked good doing Aaron Rodgers two interceptions in the end zone, another interception in the red zone. And so, Mikey, let me come to you. With all the things that have gone wrong with the Packers, you still like them in this spot. Tell me why. Yeah, I like them in the spot. Uh, I think it has for a lot, you know, yeah, I'm on Packers plus five here, first of all. Make that very clear. Um, I like them in the spot. They're playing at home, and Green Bay 
in Lambeau, they still have a pretty distinct home field advantage, even though the fan base is obviously a little disgruntled at this point in the season. One thing that got me a little excited is looking at the weather across the country. We're finally going to have some cooler weather across the country. That's going to translate. This is an afternoon game, by the way, in Green Bay. Uh, we're going to have a high temperature game time around 28 degrees, 30 degrees at the most uh, with some wind. It's going to be a cold game. Exactly what the Packers need. I don't think Dallas is comfortable and ready for that in this spot. Uh, so based off of power ratings, based on all the simulations, the best I could get this Dallas team to was minus two and a half, which is still quite a bit to be laying on the road in an environment like this. Uh, Green Bay, while they had the unfortunate result of not winning that game against Detroit, as RJ mentioned earlier, they moved the ball incredibly well. Uh, they turned the ball over at the red zone while, you know, some of those were tipped passes and maybe shouldn't have happened. That's not something that's going to happen routinely. Um, just getting one of those three that interceptions, if one of those lands in the end zone for a touchdown, that game is drastically, drastically different in my opinion. Uh, so I don't think this Packers team is bad, is as bad as they're being made out to be. I don't think Dallas is that good on the road in this particular environment. I think it's a gift getting five here. And RJ, we could go back even a game further. And as soon as Green Bay decided, oh, we can try to move the ball against this Bills defense, what happened? They did that, and they threw that touchdown late in the game. They had a chance to cover the spread late in the game. So those are two games, even though it looks bad on paper, Mikey's absolutely right. In this spot, Dallas coming off a of bye week, they scored 49 against Detroit. So they're flying high with confidence. But hold on a minute. Your thoughts? Yeah, I talked about the Miami home field advantage uh, as one of the best in the league, number two going into the season for me. A lot of their home field advantages derived by early in the year. They get those sweltering conditions. Teams just can't keep up with them. The number one team in home field advantage over the last five years for me, and pretty much every year, tends to be the Green Bay Packers. Um, so this elite home field advantage says that this line is too high for me. I actually, even though the Green Bay offense did fine last week, like we're saying, they weren't as bad as, as the score indicates um, because of those interceptions. I, I still move Green Bay down two points and still catching up to making them a below average team. And I still think this line should be three at most. So I'm completely in agreement with Mikey. I love Green Bay here plus five as well. Dallas's offense is one spot behind Green Bay's offense in yards per play. They're much better at the goal line, though, which is why we're having all these conversations about Green Bay's offense looking terrible and not saying anything about the Dallas offense coming off their big game. The other thing with Green Bay here is they traveled for four of their last five games. One of them was a quote-unquote home game, but it was it was the the, U, the London game. So um, it's chalk, still chalked up. It was a ton of travel they've had to do in the last five games. Now they get to catch their breath here at home. Great conditions for them to thrive in. Um, even if the Dallas defense eats up this bad Green Bay offensive line, I think Green Bay is able to keep it close. So I, I'm, I'm also with Mikey on the plus five, probably going to make it a play, but hoping that the market wants to inflate the Cowboys even more because of how bad the Packers look. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's a 425 Eastern game on Sunday. There's a second 425 Eastern game on Sunday too. And these are two teams that really, when you look at what happened to them on Sunday, they were two teams that played in the two late games. The Seahawks really flexed their muscles in the second half after falling behind Arizona. And they end up winning pretty comfortably at the end. The Rams inexplicably, Played great defense the entire game against the Bucs. And then in the final drive, no timeouts for Tom Brady. 60 yards to go. They just say, pass it anywhere you want. We'll stay 30 yards back. Sean McVay and that coaching staff is to blame for that loss. So now they got to come back home. Minus three, their favorite, 43 and a half. RJ, let's start with you. Right now, both teams desperate, desperate to get a W. Your thoughts? 
Yeah, you, I think you wanted to say losers earlier when talking about the two games from the afternoon. And, and I think that's fair because these two teams have been losers. But the Rams have played some very, very good defenses this year that opened the season Buffalo game. We know they're really good. And then the last few weeks, they were at San Francisco, Dallas at home, Carolina, not a great defense. So they did beat them by 14. So there you go. And then San Francisco at home and then Tampa Bay, a lot of good pass defenses on their schedule. Um, so I think that they're not as bad as they've shown offensively. Um, all five of their losses on the season have been the top eight defense and yards per play top seven in sack rate which which are those teams i ran through just now arizona's defense 26th in yards per play 25th against the pass and 27th in sack rate this is a much easier matchup that they can exploit much like that carolina game they won 24 to 10 the rams dominated arizona in the first meeting in yards per play 7.4 yards per play to four and a half yards per play arizona had to execute long drives just to keep it close and to keep the ball out of the rams hands i think a similar strategy here for the rams should lead to a much needed win that they need i like them at minus three maybe we're going to get a little bit more value i think it was three and a half and it came down to three i think that's the right number but maybe we can get to the two and a half and and play the rams but if you're going to look at this game i think you go rams or you go nothing yeah mikey this is a rubber meets the road game because when you look at the the current race in the west three and five so they're two and a half games behind seattle which shows no signs of slowing up at all so if the rams want any shot at a division, at a, a playoff spot, they can't afford any more losses, certainly, Mikey, to a team like Arizona. Yeah, no, it's a game that they must win, really, and they should win. Uh, I think the market's mostly correct on it. I would say they were correct when it opened at three and a half. Uh, I make the number four. Um, it, it, we see this game, obviously, a lot, a division game. The market's pretty much the same every time. It's three and a half to four. Uh, for the home team, a lot of the times in this matchup, total is going to come in. You know, it used to come in 47, 48, 49. It's settled down to the 43 to 45 range lately. Uh, and I, I think it makes sense. The, the Rams' defense is good enough. The Cardinals' offense has really struggled at times. Obviously, they have DeAndre Hopkins this time around. James Conner will be in there. Rondo Moore is emerging a little bit. Uh, but they just haven't been able to consistently play four good quarters in a row. Um, so I lean towards the Rams. It's somewhat similar to the Bears game that we talked about earlier and uh, that it's Rams or nothing, just like it was Bears or nothing uh, in that game. Uh, you have to always respect Kyler Murray's unique ability and DeAndre Hopkins because he makes catches that don't make sense. Right. He saves drives. He converts. He's worth points to the point spread as a wide receiver. Um, so anytime they're together in, in these spots, you do have to respect it. And that's why this number is not four and a half or five. Um, but for me, it's Rams or nothing. All right. And of course, we've got every single breakdown of the one o'clock games and those three, four o'clock games on Early Edge Live at noon Eastern time on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, anywhere you get our shows. We'll be there live at noon. Now, Sunday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, Early Edge Live. We count down to Sunday night football. And this week, intriguing Chargers. They went on the road last week, guys. And if you had them at two and a half, you covered. If you had them at three, then you pushed in Atlanta. Now they're going on the road again in San Francisco, the 49ers. Now, Christian McCaffrey, his second game, he looked fantastic, threw for a touchdown, ran for a touchdown, caught a touchdown. He's a difference maker, especially with Debo having some injury issues. So, RJ, let me start with you. The number at seven, total at 45 and a half. Are the 49ers that much better than L.A.? It must have gotten better during the bye week because this look ahead was four and a half and the Chargers lived up to expectations. Three point favorites, like you said, push. They won by three. They did what they were supposed to do. 
and now the line's seven. So it's grown, what, two and a half points now when the when 49ers didn't do anything and uh, the Chargers did what everybody expected them to do. I mean, they, they the Chargers tried to charger that game, using charger as a verb uh, with that late fumble. Atlanta chargered it right back, fumbled it right back, and that gave the Chargers a chance to go and, and win the game. So I'm sure they were shocked when they had that that chance because, um, you know, their fans are just expecting at this point, I'm sure. I knew the Atlanta uh, defense or the Atlanta would be tough matchup for Chargers defense, the way they run. Um, San Francisco's just 17th in rush yards per play. I know they've gotten Christian McCaffrey now integrated into the offense. I wonder how much he'll run the ball versus get him mixed up in the, the, the passing game and throw in the ball more because they've had two weeks to prepare here. I think the expectation is that the San Francisco offense levels up with Christian McCaffrey fully integrated into this game. I mean, I already have them as a plus four and a half power rating. That puts them tied for fourth in the league. I don't know how much more you want me to raise them at this point. Um, We'll see if the Chargers offensive line, which has held up pretty well um, despite their injuries, see if they held up against this elite San Francisco defense. It's tougher than the defenses they typically play. And even though they can fall flat every so often, um, they've won four or five since their injury rash early in the season. I think they're an underrated team with this line jumping up. So I'm looking to the Chargers here at plus seven. Interested to see if it wants to move any more because I think the Chargers should probably only be four and a half, five point underdogs here. Yeah. When you look at it, Mikey, from a standings perspective, the Chargers very much alive at five and three. And then on the NFC side, uh, NFC East is going to would have three teams right now. North would have one. South would have one. And San Francisco would have a playoff spot at four and four. I know it's a long way to go, but when you're a player and you see that, yes, we're still a playoff team, that helps your confidence quite a bit, certainly coming off a rested week. How good do you think the 49ers are? Look, I mean, I think they're a good team. I don't think they're a great team. Uh, th- this number's big, uh, like, like RJ talked about. I could make the case for five, um, five and a half, maybe. I can't get all the way to seven here. Um, you know, look, the, the question mark for me is, does Keenan on return or not? Um, the interesting thing is he's, he's obviously been out all this time. They refuse to put him on the injury reserve list. They've mentioned a couple times that he's close to turning a corner, whatever that means. Um, what are they saving him for, right? It's, are they, is it this week or is it next week in primetime against the Kansas City Chiefs? Like These are games that they need to try and steal one of these two games uh, to, to really be where they want to be at the end of the season. So this number tells me that the market thinks that Keenan Allen is not going to play again, and he very well very well may not. Uh, I think that it wouldn't shock me if they're ultimately bump him up to being able to play in this game. But at this number, I would have to lean towards the Chargers at seven, plus seven. Um, I just think they find a way to be competitive enough, manage the game well enough. Uh, Austin Eckler's still fine. Josh Palmer provides some nice pieces at times for them. Uh, I don't think the 49ers defense is particularly great against the wide receivers. So I do think it would be a good matchup for Keenan Allen if he were able to play. Um, So right now I'll take the Chargers plus seven if I had to play it, but I'm holding off till we have a little bit more info. Yeah, that Keenan Allen situation, either they're doing a really good job of kind of swerving us because everything Keenan Allen has said, ah, I just keep re-aggravating it. It doesn't get back to 100%. I'm not coming back until it is absolutely at 100%. I will never go on a pitch count. Those are the words of Keenan Allen this week, not the Chargers. Keenan Allen. Very interesting. Very one interesting. The, one of the rare players that gets less healthy during a bye somehow. Right. <laughs> Very true. Very true. All right. Final game of the week, Monday Night Football. And right now, you're going to get to see the last undefeated team as far as on the field is concerned in the Philadelphia Eagles. They're going to be at home. It's going to be rocking against their bitter rivals, the Washington Commanders. Now, this is another double-digit 
uh, bulge or spread minus 11 total sitting at 44. So Mikey, let me come back to you. The way Philadelphia has been playing, they did not cover his 13 point favorites. They still won by 12, but they have not really had much to sweat about all season long. Are they the best team? But more importantly for this show, can they cover 11 points? Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm ready to call them the best team. They've, they're a great team. Uh, they, they've got electric weapons. A.J. Brown is phenomenal. Jalen Hurts and his dual threat ability obviously helps A.J. Brown be so phenomenal. Um, I, I like them, the minus 11 here. I think this should be 13, personally. Uh, I could even make the case all the way up to 14, as crazy as it sounds. Washington, it, they're in a rough spot here. Uh, the Eagles pretty decent home field uh, at this point this season, a lot of excitement in the NFL or in the city in general, I mean, around this team. So I like the Eagles at minus 11. Again, it should be minus 13. I think another way to look here would be Washington team total under. Um, I think that we see a really nice performance and I think the Eagles undefeated streak continues at least one more week. Yeah. I think RJ Mikey brings up a really good point. I think the Eagles are going to want to show the entire world. When they have a primetime spot, we are nobody to be messed with offensively or defensively. Your thoughts? Yeah, I love that call on the Washington team total under. Washington's offense was mostly rough against Minnesota when the ref wasn't committing OPI. Um, I don't know how they were able to get that. I don't know who he had to pay to get him to do that, but congratulations there. The offense is a 28th in yards per play, does nothing well, really. Top 17 points won since week two. Washington's defense healthier than earlier in the year, though, when Philly won 24 to 8. I think their defense um, could, could have been playing well and they could come in and do a little bit against Philly. I don't want to lay the big number. I, I agree with you that they should be favored by a few more points. I just don't like laying with undefeated teams at this part of the year because they tend to be overinflated. I'm not sure that's the case with Philly. I still don't think the, the market considers them the best team in the league. So maybe that that lesson doesn't apply here. Um, but I think this could be a lower scoring game. I was leaning to the under at 44 and a half. Now it's down to 44. I think it's still okay. I think your Washington play is probably the better way to go as the under the team total. And the nice thing here at the early edge is we will have an entire primetime show early edge live Monday night, 7 30 PM. Eastern time uh, props, best bets, the gym, the donkey, the goose. We've got it all leading up to, it's going to be fascinating to see what this number is, what this total is by the time we get to Monday night. All right, it's that time of the show. Time for our recap of our best bets, courtesy of our friends at Caesar Sportsbook and Casino. Mikey, start us off. All right, we're going to go Miami, minus three and a half here. Love the spot for them. They finally get to return home. It's going to be tough for the opponent to cover Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell in the spot. They've been fantastic in every game. That Tua has been healthy in. Love the Dolphins. Make this number minus five and a half personally. And then we're going Green Bay Packers. One of the better home field advantages, if not the best home field advantage in the NFL. We have cooler weather conditions across the country this weekend. We're going to have temperatures in the high 20s with a little wind at Green Bay. Dallas coming off the bye. Not a super comfortable environment to play in. Packers at an all-time low after losing to the Lions, despite actually playing well offensively. And then finally, Kansas City minus nine and a half. I don't think this Jaguars team is very good. Kansas City caught a break, getting away with the trouble win against the Titans. Now they have a huge opportunity with Josh Allen potentially injured for the Bills. Give me the Chiefs minus nine and a half. RJ, talk to me. 
I like the Dolphins minus three and a half. This line's telling you these teams are almost even because the Dolphins have one of the best home field advantages in the league. Three-point home field advantage. These two teams are not even. They're not even close. Miami is one of the best offenses in the league. Lay the three and a half. I like Colts Raiders under 42 and a half. Colts, one of the worst offenses in the league. I don't know how you fix that offense. That just went 0 for 14 on third down uh, in a week when you're a new coach that hasn't coached before with a new play caller that hasn't called plays before. This game is going to stay under. The Colts aren't going to score many points like the under 42 and a half. I have a teaser. Seahawks plus eight and a half in Germany against the Buccaneers, a Buccaneers offense that is not playing as well as their talent should indicate. Seahawks might be the better team at this point, even if the market is telling you that they are not. I also am teasing them with the Steelers plus eight and a half. Love the spot for the Steelers getting a Saints team coming off Monday night football. Offense didn't look very good. Pittsburgh has had uh, two weeks now to get healthy. TJ Watt might be back in that game. Kenny Pickett might be playing better now that he's had the bye to get more acclimated in the offense. I think the Steelers can win that game. Teasing them through the three and seven, eight and a half makes too much sense. And that is our Week 10 Mega Preview recap, courtesy of our friends at Caesar Sportsbook and Casino. Now, a couple of uh, chat comments. Another great show. Great info, guys. Patrick, thank you very much. Bradley, another great show. Thanks, gentlemen. Bradley, thank you. Sincerely, we love doing these shows more than you could ever possibly imagine. We're growing in leaps and bounds. Don't forget, every time you come into the show, hit that like button for us. It really helps us grow and helps new fans, new people, Find our show a lot easier, whether it's on YouTube, on Apple, on Spotify, or wherever else podcasts are found. Don't forget, we're here every single day, 10 a.m. Eastern time and 4 p.m. Eastern time for the Early Edge and Early Edge in 5. And every primetime NFL night, we've got Early Edge live at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. The grind always continues, but at the end of every show, you know there's only one thing left to do. And I believe you all know what that is. You got your marching orders. Let's take all of these NFL tickets straight to the pay window. For my entire crew, love them all. M Square, the stoic one, RJ White, Maestro out there somewhere. He's also a part of the show. And Jake the Snake, our producer, doing an amazing job on the ones and the twos. I am the coach. Tell all your friends you want to be educated. You want to be entertained. You want to be a part of something valuable and positive right here at the Early Edge. Good luck. We'll